BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for listening to Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les. I am your host. I've been talking over here in this little space for a little over three years now. And I started Balanced Black Girl because I wanted a safe space to chat well-being with other black and brown women in wellness. I wanted to learn from them, to learn their tips and tricks and how they do things. And I also like to throw in some solo episodes in the mix so that you and I can chill and talk wellness one-on-one, which is what we're going to be doing today. We are in the middle of our Reframing the Reset series and challenge, looking at creating rituals and systems of self-care and reimagining wellness practices in the world we now live in. Since the start of the pandemic, I have become so much more mindful and thoughtful about my space, my living space, my workspace, my digital space. Many people have spent a lot more time at home and in one space over the past two years than they did before, myself included. And spending so much time in one space has really led to me reframing my relationship with material things, clutter, my daily habits, just how I move around in my space and what I carry with me. And I've been able to see a lot of parallels between how I feel and the space that I keep. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to preface this with a few things. One, I am not the most naturally organized person. So if you can relate to that, and if you're thinking, oh no, this is someone who's super organized, who's going to try and tell me what to do, take comfort. (laughs) That is not me. I am someone who is learning to become more organized as I get older. And so I want to share some context and things that have been helpful for me in that journey. I've also never been necessarily the tidiest person, especially when I was younger, but the older I got and the more I saw those habits of how I kept my space, how I kept my mind standing between where I was and where I wanted to be, I've really made a commitment to creating clear, 
calm, functional, mental, physical, and digital spaces that work for me and that work for how my brain works and my lifestyle. And I'm constantly revising and editing and working towards helping things make sense for me. I also want to say that this conversation is not meant to create any shame or comparison. How organization and clearing space looks and feels for me will and frankly should look and feel entirely different for you. This is more of an invitation to explore how creating spaces that help you feel as good as you can feel can make a difference in your life. So it's just an invitation to kind of look at look at things around you. If you decide that you want to make some changes, that's great. And if you decide that now is not the time to make changes, that's okay too. It is purely up to you. I also want to say, and I acknowledge that when it comes to clearing space and cleaning and organization, our mental health can really impact our ability to do those things. And being in some mental states can make tending to your space really, really hard. And I wholeheartedly understand that. So if you are experiencing a really tough season or depression, something like decluttering could be really, really hard and that is okay. Again, this is a safe space. If that is what you are experiencing, I, I want you to instead focus on taking care of yourself in the smallest ways, making sure your basic needs are met in the smallest ways and doing the best you can to give yourself space and grace each day. So please do not compare yourself to anyone else. Do not compare your space to anyone else's. Really the goal of this conversation is to help guide you to find things that work for you. And it's not always the time for everything. And that is okay. So those are my important notes that I wanted to make sure I shared before we got into today's episode. Like I said, Reframing the Reset is our current series. It is also a challenge. So for the first four weeks of this episode series, I am sharing weekly challenges with different activities, all within our Reclaiming the Reset Notion dashboard. So you can go to balanceblackgirl.com slash reset for this week's resource, which is all about helping you declutter and create some organizational support to create more space for yourself. So I have a great checklist walking you through uh, just some baby steps you can take to start tending to your space. So if you have not already signed up for the challenge, you can do that at balanceblackgirl.com slash reset. Everyone who signs up for the challenge will be entered into a giveaway that we are doing at the end. So when you sign up, you'll get access to the dashboard with everything you need. And they're just little activities and resources to support you in starting your year off right. All right. So let's talk about creating space for ourselves. Let's talk about clutter. Let's talk about stuff <laughs> and the connection between clutter and mental so first I want to talk a little bit more about clutter and all of the different things that clutter can be. So when we think about clutter, I think we often think about physical things and that's the most common definition, physical things that either don't have a place in your space or physical things you have hanging around that no longer serve a purpose to you or that are broken and in need of repair 
It can also refer to spaces, not just the stuff, but just the space in general, whether that is a physical space or even a digital space that can feel messy, it can feel disorganized, or it can feel chaotic or maybe something challenging to manage. So there's likely a, a definition of clutter in there that can be applied to each of our lives. But that is going to be kind of how I'm defining clutter for the sake of this conversation. So really focusing on our physical and digital spaces that either have things that are overflowing, don't serve a purpose, uh, or are in need of repair. So a lot of research has been done on the connection between clutter and our mental health. And so many studies show that having clutter can really negatively impact our mental and emotional well-being. In one study I found, having clutter is linked to increased cortisol levels. Cortisol is a stress hormone that can really disrupt our physical and mental well-being. Another study said that clutter can compromise an individual's perception of home and ultimately impact their satisfaction with life. Um, Cluttered spaces tend to overwhelm and overstimulate us. When there are a lot of things to look at and deal with, our brains can have a hard time understanding, you know, what do we tackle first? Where do we go? And that can really impact our ability to move through our days, to move through our work, and to fully take up the space that we would like to occupy because we tend to be overwhelmed by what else is occupying our space. So the connection between our mental health and the spaces around us can be huge, especially depending on what is taking up that space with us. And with so many of us spending more time at home over the past two years, I know I have felt this tenfold. In a previous life, when I was really busy and running the streets and never home and going to events all the time, my space was so cluttered. I'm thinking back to, you know, 2018, 2019, when I was still living in Seattle, I shared a house with two other roommates and had, you know, friends and boyfriends and lots of people constantly in and out of the house. There was so much stuff. It was just cluttered everywhere in our shared and individual spaces. And during that time, I just was so checked out of being in that house. (laughs) I was, I was overwhelmed by the state of that house and I just never wanted to be there. So I just kind of checked out and I was always gone, especially my last year living in Seattle, 2019. I was just always at events. I was always out with friends. I was going on a lot of dates. I was just looking for reasons to be gone because I just couldn't handle what was happening in my space. So that's why a year later when the pandemic started and we had to be in these spaces, it got me really thinking about stuff and about my relationship to stuff and how I accumulated stuff because I wasn't able to, you know, run the, run the streets like I was used to. I didn't have those escapes of getting out of the house to not feel as overwhelmed by stuff. And I started really going through my stuff with a fine tooth comb and being really mindful of my space because there was nowhere else to go. I could not handle that mental and physical clutter around me anymore. That overstimulated feeling that I was describing earlier, I have absolutely had that. Now, the other interesting thing is that clutter is also linked to increased procrastination. 
That is due to increased indecision by being surrounded by a lot of physical things. And when we are in those settings for a long time and we're surrounded by physical things that overstimulate us, lead to increased indecision and increased procrastination, research has shown this is actually leading to decreased life satisfaction as we age. So as we spend more time, years and decades living in indecision and procrastination due to clutter, it really impacts our quality of life, our life outlook, how we feel about our lives. And for a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, we're millennials, we're Gen Zs, we're still kind of younger adults. This is an amazing time to really hone in on that and start repairing our relationship with our spaces so that we can make sure that our quality of life is as good as possible while we age. And especially, you know, we don't fully know how things are going to turn out when we keep having to spend more time at home and then less. We want to feel as much peace as we can in our spaces. I want to acknowledge also that clutter is more than physical stuff. It can also be mental baggage, or it can be holding on to physical things that may not necessarily create a lot of physical clutter. Maybe you have belongings in your house that do have a place and can be tidy and put away, but those things symbolize mental clutter. I know I have absolutely had that. Past relationships, I would keep, you know, notes and letters and cards from past partners and I had them neatly filed away. (laughs) So they weren't physically creating clutter, but the energy of that person was still kind of lingering around even when they weren't a part of my life anymore. And that can also create mental clutter, right? That can be mental baggage. Shout out to Erica Badu. We all know the song Bag Lady, right? You can't hurry up. You've got too much stuff. Pack light. That's that's not necessarily talking about the physical stuff. It's actually talking a lot about the mental and emotional stuff, which can be very much tied to the physical. So when I started spending more time at home and started looking at the relationships I had with a lot of the stuff around me, whether it was creating physical or mental clutter, and for a lot of stuff, it was both, just got me really critically thinking about how much space I wanted to take up. And for me, taking up more space meant creating more space around me. It's actually really closely linked to what we were talking about in the first episode of this Reframing the Reset series, where I talked about my own personal definition of productivity saying that productivity for me is creating space to do less. And that absolutely um, applies to the physical as well, right? So the one other note around clutter and what it is or how it can impact us is also around having to move things around to accomplish a task. So that can be very much related to maybe our workspace or things that we typically get done around the house. If if we have things cluttering the space where we need to get things done or where we'd like to be creative or where we need to do our best thinking, if we have to move things around to accomplish those things in a certain space, that can also really weigh heavily on us. So just beginning to understand the connection between clutter, physical and mental, and how we feel is really, really important. And it's a good first step to wanting to create change if we feel called to do so. 
One other thing that was also really interesting was I found a 2017 study out of Australia that found a link between our eating habits and clutter or how clutter impacts our eating habits. In that study, they found that people who were in environments that they considered chaotic or overwhelming actually tended to reach for treats and snacks and things that uh, I don't want to use the word unhealthy to create a negative association there, but maybe wouldn't have been their first choice if they were in a calmer environment. So that's also really interesting when we look at the impact that clutter can have on our decision-making that can impact how we feel physically, mentally, emotionally, professionally. If we think about creating space for ourselves, think about how clear our decision-making could be and how that can impact our systems, rituals, and behaviors like we've been talking about in this series. Just some very, very interesting information to think about as we investigate our own behavior and create systems that work for us. So speaking of systems, I want to talk a little bit about my experience with creating systems in my space to help me reach goals and um, maybe provide some tips based off of my learnings so far. Like I said, I am, I am not a Virgo. I will put it that way. <laughs> I often wish I was a Virgo. If I would have been born two days later, I would have been a Virgo. And I feel like that would have solved all my problems. But alas, here I am a naturally messy Leo who is learning to have better habits day after day. Um, I want to talk about easy ways to create systems that can help us clear more space. And I want to dig a little bit into more concrete examples uh, of the connection between clutter and mental health that I've experienced. And maybe this can start drawing some connections for you. So in my fitness journey, I have been kind of an avid morning movement person for a long time. And recently I've become a little bit more flexible with this, especially as I dive deeper into my yoga journey, really liking to do yoga at night because it tends to relax me. But for many years, I was a morning exercise person. And during some phases of my life, that was easier than others. And when I started reflecting on, okay, what is the difference between when I'm willing to wake up early and go through my morning routine and get moving or get exercise in the morning and when I'm not, what are some of the factors influencing this? And it could actually be influenced by a lot of things. And when I started reflecting on this, it was influenced by a lot of things, some of which were outside of my control. Things like the season, right? It's a lot harder to wake up early in the morning when it's dark than it is in the summertime. Or things like my menstrual cycle and where I was at in my menstrual cycle also could impact when I was willing to wake up and exercise. But I also started realizing that there were some patterns with things that I could control. And I found a pattern for myself, which is still true to this day, is that I am far more likely to wake up on time the first time and start moving and going with my morning routine if my bedroom is clean and tidy. And I've found for myself that I am more likely to snooze until I can't snooze anymore. Snooze until the point of no return. If my bedroom is messy or unkept, or if there's just stuff in disarray, I am far more likely to snooze than I am when the space is clean. 
So I wanted to think about that. I wanted to dive into that and think, okay, why is that? And so this became the topic of morning journaling for me for a while, taking note of how I felt and what types of things I was writing in my journal, kind of when I woke up on time, when I had that clean space and going back and looking at what I was writing in my journal when I was not waking on time, waking up on time in that clean space. And I found some interesting patterns with my mindset during those times. So on those mornings when I had a clean space and I would wake up closer to on time and start journaling, those journal entries were a lot more calm. That's when I was being really creative. That's when I was writing about ideas that I had and trips I wanted to take and things I was looking forward to and just a lot of flow and fluidity and spaciousness and creativity. And when I look back at my journal on those entries for those mornings where I was maybe running a little bit later, um, my space was a little bit more chaotic. That's when I was writing about how overwhelmed I was, how much I had on my plate, how everything just felt so chaotic. And I started noticing patterns between my attitude waking up and how I approach the day and how my space was. When my space was messy, it was really hard to get out of bed because I was waking up to chaos. Everything around me felt like chaos. And so snoozing, I wanted to snooze. I wanted to stay in the bed. I didn't want to go start the day because it just felt like nothing but chaos was waiting for me when I look around in my room and I see stuff and clothes and piles and chaos. And that would translate through the rest of my day, through my journal entries, to my work, to how I showed up. And those times when I would wake up on time and my space was tidy, that was when I had the spaciousness to be creative and to flow. And the proof was in the pudding right there in my dated journal, right in the words that I was writing out. Like those days when I had a clean space and I was waking up on time, I would write about my manifestations and my lists and those days where it was the opposite. I was writing about how frazzled and overwhelmed I was. And I started seeing clear patterns between waking up and being ready for the day and feeling good about the day and doing the things I needed to do and taking care of myself with having a clear, clean space and the cluttered space being more associated with those times of stress and overwhelm and chaos and feeling frazzled and that getting out of bed felt a lot better. It felt like an invitation to really come to the day in a way that I wanted to when there was space for me to be, when my space was calm. And it felt like I could thrive in it. So I wanted to put this to the test. This was actually a pattern that I noticed a while ago. And I put this to the test again in recent months. Last fall, I was doing my yoga teacher training. And I'm actually going to have an episode coming up talking more about that experience and yoga in general, specifically yoga for people who don't like yoga is going to be the focus of that episode. But that three months of training was so beautiful and such a beautiful experience. And it was also so freaking hard, really hard. And a big part of why it was hard was because of the schedule. So I, you know, work my regular, you know, nine to five J-O-B like everybody else. And then I also do this podcast and create content and try to have, try to have some pieces of a life, honey. You know, we're still working on that, but I'm getting there. (laughs) Um, 
but I had formerly had a really good flow and schedule of tending to my space, especially earlier in the pandemic, really using my weekends to make sure that my space was just on point and it was clear and it was what I needed. I had that midweek reset that was really helping me out. And the times for my yoga teacher training just blew all of that out of the water. Uh, I had, you know, all day trainings from midday through evening, every Saturday, every Sunday, and then every Wednesday evening from September to December. That was overriding my usual reset time where I reset my space, where I tend to my space, where I kind of do those things that I needed to do to have a peaceful environment around me. So in that three months, my apartment was honestly a mess, like not having my weekends to do my weekend clean, not having my Wednesdays to do my midweek reset to reset the space, and then just being way more tired and not having the energy on the other nights that I had free and just being like, forget it, I'm just not going to get to it made that time so much more overwhelming and exhausting than it had to be because my space just wasn't tended to. And I had a lot of kind of projects going on around the house that I wasn't able to get to. My closet was like just a really scary place. a really scary place. Every time I opened it, I just felt super anxious. And then when I had, you know, half a moment, I would start creating piles of things that I wanted to donate, but I never had time to take stuff to donate because I was always working or at training. And so I just had piles of stuff around my apartment for a solid two and a half months because just with my schedule, I wasn't able to make it work. And during that two and a half months, when I had the piles of stuff around my room, piles of stuff around my apartment, I wasn't able to do my usual, you know, Saturday clean and Wednesday reset. It was utter chaos, absolute and utter chaos. And I started following that same pattern again of not wanting to get out of bed, snoozing a lot, you know, looking back at my journal entries through that time, it was all about how frazzled and overwhelmed I was and just in kind of that dark space. So that was a time where I could see in real time that this, you know, hypothesis that I had with myself and my habits and how I tended to my space was correct, that the cleanliness of my space had a direct impact on even my self-care habits. Someone who is been doing this for a really, really long time. And now that I have a bit more of that time back, I've been able to get back into a groove. I actually, during that time, took a little bit of PTO from my day job to just like get my space in order and get it all together so that I could finish the last few weeks of that training strong in a a clear and healthy space, which was helpful. Um, But I learned how to start creating some systems for myself, even when I was really busy, that can help me create that space I needed for that mental reset. So I want to talk about some of the systems that I've created that are helping me keep my space together, which helps me keep myself together. Um, just to give you some ideas. And again, this is not about comparison. This is not me telling you that that's what you should do. I think everyone's life is different. It's going to be different if you live with a partner. It's going to be different if you have children or if you have a different lifestyle. But this is just me, again, as a naturally not super organized person learning to be organized, sharing with you what has worked for me. So some of my priorities that have helped me really create that space for myself has been around daily 
weekly and monthly resets. So as I talked about, one of the things that started causing everything to go to chaos for me was when I couldn't do my big weekly clean on Saturdays when I was doing yoga teacher training. (laughs) And so then my space just went to total chaos because it would get super messy and I just would not have the energy to do that big clean. So I started implementing uh, daily, or well, I guess I should call it nightly resets, where I reset my space each night. And resetting my space each night probably takes five to 10 minutes. I mean, it's truly just making sure that my work desk is clear, ready for work the next day. It's me putting away my personal laptop, getting out my work laptop and my work notebook. It is me just wiping down the kitchen counters, cleaning out the sink, making sure all the dishes are put away, you know, fixing the pillows on the couch, hanging up my coat and putting my purse away just so that I can start the day with a clean space, but also so that I don't feel so overwhelmed by having to do one big clean each week if I just don't have the time or the energy to do that. So that small, just five minute reset each day has made such a difference. And it's also made me actually want to wake up in the morning and get out of bed knowing that I'm coming out to a clean space. So you have those little daily resets just to get your space ready for the next morning. That weekly reset can be kind of that bigger clean if you have the time and energy to do so. And then just a monthly reset to kind of audit the space. You know, if you have maybe seasonal decorations or things that you want to donate or reorganize or restructure then you can use your monthly reset to do that. Uh, But really the daily or nightly reset has been absolutely key for me during a busy season to really keep my space and to keep myself together. The next thing, and I started implementing this earlier in the pandemic, is a one in, one out for new items. One in, one out. So if I buy a new pair of shoes, an old pair of shoes needs to go. If I buy a new purse, old purse needs to go. If I bring home a new crew neck, an old crew neck needs to go. That means that when something new comes in my home, there is a space created for it. There is a space created for it. Okay. And even if you don't necessarily want to do the one in one out, then it could mean, um, making sure that you have already created a space for something to go before you purchase it and before you bring it into your home. So again, only bringing new things into your home that, uh, have a place and something that has been particularly helpful for me is not accepting as much free stuff as content creators, influencers, whatever you want to call it. We tend to get a lot of free stuff and brands wanting to send us stuff. I used to accept a lot of free stuff and I just don't accept it anymore. I mean, I, if I have a bathroom full of products, then I don't need another free face wash if I have four other face washes, you know? I think that stuff could go towards uh, someone else who maybe needs it or who has space for it. So just bringing in fewer things, making sure that I'm only bringing in things that have a place or creating a place for them as soon as I bring them home has made a huge, huge difference. The other system that has made actually probably an even bigger difference is focusing on digital decluttering. 
Y'all, my camera roll up until very recently, I think I had like 13,000 photos on my camera roll. My iCloud was just screaming at me and it was full. That was, that was what prompted me to uh, declutter. But I had like 13,000 items on my camera roll. I had the files on my computer were just out of control. I mean, I had every audio that had been recorded for this podcast on my poor little laptop that is just really hanging in there on the edge of glory. Every audio that I've recorded for this podcast, that's like 150 almost hour long conversations since 2018, just living on my computer. Uh, my inboxes were actually not terrible because I've been doing a better job staying on top of them this year, but there's always room for improvement. I just had a lot going on uh, digitally. Oh my gosh. The other thing, if you have not done any sort of digital detox or organization, the downloads folder. I don't know about you, but my downloads folder was a no man's land. I mean, every file I've ever interacted with was still in my downloads folder. Like how my devices did not run away from home, I don't know. (laughs) So this year I have each week focused on a different area of digital decluttering and I've either worked to just declutter something in general or to create a system so that it doesn't get as cluttered. So an example of a system that has helped me a lot is, again, this is going to be more of a kind of digital content creator example, but I think it could inspire you, you know, anyone who uses a smartphone is my camera roll was full of so much old content, either old social media manager jobs, old content that I created from years ago that I just didn't need anymore. So now on my camera roll, I have specific folders for each brand that I work with campaign and I save all the content for the campaign to that individual folder, which makes it super easy for me to post it because then I'm not scrolling through my camera roll trying to find older photos. I have everything I need right there. Once that content has been posted and I've gotten final approval of it from the brand and everything is closed out there, then I can delete it. Once I, you know, create a graphic or something and, you know, post it on the Balanced Black Girl Instagram, once that's been posted, I can delete it. Like my phone does not need all of those things. So having that system for specific folders in my camera roll for content I'm creating and then on a weekly basis deleting that when the content is posted and I don't need it anymore has been so incredibly helpful and has made a huge difference. And I've also started going through my downloads weekly uh, on my computer just to make sure things are either getting filed appropriately. If it's a file that I still need, it's filed appropriately, deleting the file if I no longer need it, and then using external hard drives to back up some of those old files like those podcast episodes from 2018. I want to still keep that audio just in case there's something I want to do with it, but does it need to be on my laptop? No. It could be on an external hard drive and that creates so much mental space so that I'm not digging through old files. Definitely creates some mental space for my poor computer that is just 
the real MVP in this situation. Um, Another example of digital decluttering can be decluttering who you're following, decluttering uh, what you see on social media, right? Doing an audit. Do I still want to follow these people? Do I still want to follow this brand? Who is this person? Why did I follow them to begin with? Just cleaning that up. The new year is an amazing time to do that. And when it comes to our email inboxes, I don't know if I necessarily think that inbox zero is fully necessary, but I do think that each message that you get, you should either have a home for it or have a purpose for it, even if it's archived. Each thing that's still kind of hanging around your inbox should be there for a reason. And if it's over like two years old, I say just do a big auto archive. I mean, that's what I do. If you're working with really sensitive information, you know, then you can kind of use your own best judgment there. But that has been super helpful for me. It's just having a really good labeling system because for me, inbox zero didn't do a whole lot for me. But if my inbox does have things that are clearly labeled so that I know why they're still hanging around, that is super helpful. And it makes my inbox less overwhelming. Uh, And then edit, unsubscribe, and unfollow ruthlessly. Ruthlessly. Um, And then the last note on digital decluttering uh, would just be around deleting old apps, right? What are old apps that you're using that don't serve you anymore? Do you have multiple apps that kind of serve the same purpose? Can you pare that down? Where can you create less stimulation for yourself that can help decrease those cortisol levels and help you really manage your stress better, right? And your phone is actually a really great place to do that, might even be a better place to start than your physical environment because we have our phones in our hands all day long. We are looking at our phones all day long. When we want to talk about mental baggage, our phones create so much mental baggage. Go through those apps, go through that camera roll, go through that contact list. Who who needs to be up out of your contact list, right? You don't need that old energy laying around. Go through your notes app. I bet you have some bomb ideas that are resting in peace in your notes app that maybe this is the year that you can go through and bring them into fruition. You can delete the ones that you don't want to use, right? So just creating as much space for yourself as you can mentally and physically. So I just want to recap some of the systems I recommend getting started with if you would like to declutter your life a little bit. Again, daily, weekly, and monthly resets, really starting with that daily reset to just reset your space and get it to a fresh point, whether that is your workspace or your bedroom. Could be good to just start with one space and practice resetting that daily and then kind of increasing from there. So for me, my non-negotiables of the spaces I need to reset are my workspace, my work desk, and my bedroom have to be reset before I go to bed each night. It's just super helpful, Uh, but you can decide what that looks like for you. One in, one out for new items, or making sure that you're only bringing new things into your home that really have a place or that you can create a place for as soon as you bring them home. And then getting your digital detox on cleaning up that camera roll, backing up unused documents, deleting old apps, and labeling your inbox. And again, if you're signed up for the Reframing the Reset Challenge at balancedblackgirl.com slash reset, I have a resource guide for you in Notion that can also walk you through how to do these things and will be super helpful. 
All right. So the last kind of point that I want to make here is around reframing our relationship with material things. Okay. Because we can clean out our closets year after year. We can clean out that downloads folder year after year. But if we continue having the same habits and if we continue accumulating more things at the same rate, we're kind of hustling backwards, right? I think creating a better balance there really starts with creating different habits. So that's why I think it's really important that we not only look at how much space we're creating, but how can we keep that space there? Now, when it comes to material things, sometimes I struggle with knowing how to talk about this because I'm certainly not a minimalist by any means and don't want to come across that way. It's okay to have needs and it's okay to have wants and it's okay to have things because we need them or because we want them or both. But something that's been really helpful for me and that has really helped me consume less things over the past two years, I've probably bought and consumed less, you know, than I have ever before is identifying where those needs and those wants are coming from. So are the needs truly a need or are they a want? And wants are not inherently bad, but where is the want coming from, right? Is it a soul want? Is it a, I would really love to have this want. It would make my life so much easier or it would feel like a real treat and I would really appreciate it, right? Is it a soul want? Is it a soul need? Or is it a social media want or need? Is it something that consuming content has convinced us that we need? And again, I'm not necessarily saying that is a bad thing. I am a content creator. I work with brands to do sponsored content. I have sponsors for this podcast that talk about buying things. So I'm not saying that you know, buying things because you've seen them from content is a bad thing or should be looked down upon. I would be a really big hypocrite if that were the case. But I think identifying why you want the things you want can be really, really helpful. So can you identify why you want the things you want? Can you identify what the real use or purpose of it is? And if the purpose is like, is cute and that's what I want, then that's great. Then I want you to stand by that decision. I want it to be worth the money. I want it to be worth the space it's going to occupy. And that's just that. But if you feel like it's cute, but I might have a little bit of guilt for it taking up the space or it's cute, but I don't know how I feel about the money I'm going to spend, then that could just be an invitation to dive deeper there and to see where those feelings are coming from. I also want to talk a little bit more about understanding the attachment between physical things and perceived psychological safety. So we can naturally want to hold on to physical things because we believe that there is a sense of safety attached from having those things, or sometimes those things can serve an emotional need. And that is okay. Again, there's no judgment here. But I think it is important to get really clear on what that is and to be able to have boundaries with ourselves to understand, you know, what, what physical things is it okay to derive a little bit of safety from and how can I begin to find safety within myself, right? So if you have an item that was maybe belonged to a loved one who has passed on or that's connected to a specific memory, 
like that's beautiful. And if keeping those things really keeps you connected to that memory and connected to that being, that can be a really, really beautiful thing. Maybe an example of that that you would want to re-examine a little bit could be around a material thing that is helping you compensate in some way, right? A material thing that maybe you are deriving a sense of worth from um, and you're finding psychological safety from that. That could maybe be an example of something that you would want to re-examine a little bit more, something that you would want to just reflect on and see where those feelings are coming from and see if there's a way that you can get that sense of being from within because there's nothing wrong with having stuff and liking the stuff that you have. Uh, But when your identity becomes the stuff, that is when our relationship with material things could maybe be reexamined. Also, as I talk about material things, I've had material girl, (laughs) Stuck in my head, honestly, the whole time I've been recording this episode. And I just, I had to acknowledge that because, you know, I think to an extent we can all kind of be material girls and there's nothing particularly wrong with that. But again, it's about identifying the why. It's about creating space. It's about making sure it doesn't um, take up too much space when it comes to us having our own sense of worthiness. And again, not taking up so much physical space that it impacts our mental well-being. So again, reframing those needs, identifying where our needs and wants are coming from. Is it a true need? Is it a true want? Is it something we're being influenced to want? If so, is that okay? How do we, how do we feel about that? Do you think you would want that if you weren't being influenced to want it? Um, Because that's an entirely different thing than saying, hey, I was in the market for something and I couldn't decide which brand. And then this person who I follow online and really trust shared a recommendation. So I'm going to take their recommendation, right? That is an entirely different thing than saying, well, I saw this and now I need it. (laughs) And it's just all about getting curious with yourself and understanding why you want the things that you want and making sure that you are creating enough space for you. All right. So really looking at those relationships, making sure that we're not hustling backwards and doing all of these resets only to fall back on the same behaviors. So We're really looking to create a better balance and to create more space for ourselves to be healthy, happy, clear, free. We're packing light so that we can create more space to show up as ourselves. All right, my friend, that is what I have today in terms of reframing things, reframing being a material girl, reframing clutter, reframing digital clutter. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Balanced Black Girl for our Reframing the Reset series. Head to the show notes for more resources and information from this episode. And don't forget to head to balancedblackgirl.com slash reset to download your Reframing the Reset dashboard and free resources to help you be supported in clearing and decluttering. Huge thanks to our sponsors and to you for listening and supporting this show and the brands that make this show possible. Don't forget to head to our show notes for all information for how you can stay in touch for special deals and discount codes, everything you need. 
Next week, I'm sitting down with writer, poet, actor, and wonderful human Arielle Astoria to talk about reframing self-talk, the intersection between wellness and creativity, and the importance of listening to our intuition. Subscribe so you don't miss it, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into Balanced Black Girl. If you enjoyed this episode and feel called doing so, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes and more offerings at balanceblackgirl.com.